Welcome to a Friday night live edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford with my shirt on. Calvin Rozier, no idea what's going on over there. No shirt on. And joining us is Marcus Green with his shirt on. Uh, (laughs) Jesus. Calvin, how are you doing today, this evening, man? What's good, man? Man, as you can see, I am ready. I am rattler ready, man. And I got my shirt off in honor of Mr. Blake. We couldn't have him on the show today, so I figured I'd fill in for him, you know, and represent, you know. Got to keep it going. Got to good TV and everything. Good, good teeth in. Hey, got to get a rating up, man. Hat. Got to get the ratings up. Got to get the ratings up. Well, Marcus, uh, Marcus is joining us as our good friend. Kofi couldn't be with us on this particular episode. Marcus, it's uh, good to see you. Thank you for wearing your shirt. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing good. I guess I'm feeling a little hot because I got my shirt on, but I'm going to keep it on anyway. But it's it's you know good to be back, good to be on the show, and uh, good to see y'all last weekend, you know, making it down to town yeah. for the game. Yeah, definitely. It's good to good to run into you, and uh, you know you got a chance now. It, how long had it been since you you'd been on the yard? Is it? it it's not, I know it's been a few years, right? Yeah, it's embarrassing to say. So uh, it's all right. It probably happens. It happens. Yeah, the last time I'd actually been in the yard was probably ooh, like right before I got married. So it was around two thousand and one. And the last time I wow. went to a game, yeah. The last time I went to a game was like, ooh, even before that, at least a game in tally. I've been to away games, but I went to the playoffs, so that'll tell you how long ago it was, the last time, and the only time we hosted in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a long (laughs) time. Yeah, as as you do that, I I don't know what's going on there with with Kel. I don't know if Kelvin's changing or he's going through a changing dress code thing right now. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, hopefully he's putting something uh, on and not taking something off because he already took yeah, the top off. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling. You. Yeah, shout out man, to you, man. Don't be hating on your boy. Your boy. <laughs> It's Valley Week. It is Valley Week, uh, and uh, yeah, in honor of our good friend James Blake. Uh, you know, and, and the Valley crew, uh, who I'm thinking he'll be at the game uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. So he's probably in town in Tallahassee. So if you run into the voice of Mississippi Valley State, Mr. James Blake, you give him a shout out. Let him know, hey, Mr. Blake, man, we enjoyed you on the ONG last year. Sorry we couldn't have you or couldn't get you on this week. Uh, obviously, you know, things were a little chaotic in the state of Florida. Um for me personally, being in the Orlando area, uh, safely mm-hmm. say no major damage to speak of. Didn't lose any power. That's good. Um, 
very fortunate. Uh, my thoughts definitely, though, with all of those who uh, did suffer damage, especially, you know, many of our Floridians down in the southwest um, and, and in other parts of the state as well. Um, obviously, you've even seen most recently the video and some images from Bethune-Cookman University. So we, we send our thoughts out to our SWAC and Florida HBCU brethren at Bethune-Cookman, um, you know, so um, we'll, we'll talk about the team. They are out of town uh, up in uh, Alabama, and I think they evacuated a lot of the students early in the week. So, you know, it's just one of those things we deal with. And, and up in Tallahassee, uh, Kelvin, you guys avoided any of the storm. You guys probably had good weather over the last few days, I would imagine, right? Absolutely. Um, we had a little bit of wind, no rain, sunny, uh, real fall like weather. You know, uh, I think the highs might have been in the high 70s, maybe, and lows in the low 60s. So it's been beautiful here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I see uh, folks in the uh, chat room, EA, I see you're from the Tampa area. Um, glad you guys were out of it. Like I said, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you didn't know where this thing was going to land, but you knew it was coming somewhere. And unfortunately somebody was going to be affected. So, uh, you know, please keep, uh, our, our, our communities in your thoughts and prayers. And, you know, if you're able to do anything to help contribute to the Red Cross, uh, in any way, uh, please find a way to do that because, uh, any little bit helps, as uh, a lot of Floridians are being dis are displaced, uh, many are still without power and things of that nature. So uh, we just, uh, you know, want to keep keep those people in our thoughts and then especially our prayers. And, and we hope that uh, that uh, this storm is really the only one of the hurricane season that we have to Amen. deal with to this degree. Yeah. Uh, so as it relates to. The action on the field, um, you know, Florida A&M gets ready for Valley. Obviously, you know, we're just coming off of the Alabama A&M game. Uh, we, we got a chance to uh, digest that game. So let's kind of go back through that game because so much happened in that ball game. Before we get to talking about Valley Week and then the other stuff happening in the SWAC, we wanted to kind of just briefly come back and uh, a touch on that. And so uh, before I get into that, I want to give a quick reminder, uh, you guys on Facebook or on YouTube, please go ahead and make sure to hit that thumbs up button and um, make sure to like and share the stream. Please, hopefully you're already following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. And uh, if you have any questions, any Anything you want to ask us, I'll check the I'll check the mailbag, but omgstrikezone at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your reaction, uh, grades, performances, game balls, whatever you want to do from the past Alabama A&M game as we talk about it. And then, of course, uh, any thoughts and predictions on Valley, you can post that in the chat or you can send us an email. I'll make sure to check the email bag during the breaks. All right, so here's the rundown. Let me just hit the... The main bullet points, guys, from the Alabama A&M game and then give you a chance to react and comment. Of course, uh, final score, 38-25 for the good guys in uh, the orange helmet, all green, 
tops and bottoms. Interesting, interesting combination that we've gone with now. Two consecutive weeks or two consecutive home games where we've gone all tops and bottoms of the same color. So uh, I think I think that's correct. Um, where we went all white with the orange helmets two weeks ago. This one with the with the green tops and bottoms. I'm still trying to decide and figure out whether we've hit all of the possible color combinations. Not sure if we have or not, but that's just me. I'm a uniform geek uh, like that. So hey, uh, we got down ten to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Alabama and A&M with an impressive drive to start the ball game. We were down as much as 19 to seven with 126 in the second quarter, and then. The, the drive, I think, that changed the whole game for everybody, for us, was a two-minute drive, quote-unquote two-minute drive, that really was a six-play, 67-yard drive in a minute and four seconds. Uh, we scored a touchdown. I thought Jeremy Musa looked his best that I've ever seen him look in the two-minute drill, uh, and, and that was really impressive as uh, as he hit pretty much every receiver that he threw to on that drive. I, I don't – I only think we ran maybe six or seven plays in that whole drive. So we go into halftime down five points, but I think everybody in the stadium felt enthused and energized about the way we ended the half. I I think it may have been a totally different thought and feeling and vibe had we not scored on that last drive with 34 seconds to play. Coming out of the halftime we go uh, score two touchdowns in the third quarter, shut them out. We go 14-0. and 0. You could tell the defense was charged up. Everybody was playing at a higher level. We actually scored 24 straight points in uh, the second half before we gave up a very late touchdown with 34 seconds to play. Uh, individually, you had uh, big plays and big performances by, of course, Jeremy Musa, who was 23 of 41. 343 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, was not sacked at all. Um, you know, now we can break down those those incomplete passes because there were some that didn't look great, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, you saw the backup get in. Cameron Sapp even got in the ball game. He was three for three in the contest late in the fourth quarter. Um, Terrell Jennings, Jalen McLeod, both had a rushing touchdown. And then our receivers, man, we had Jamari A. Sharid at full strength. He looked good with some amazing catches. I think he had a Sports Center top 10 catch, uh, the one where he caught uh, the one that was going towards maybe five yards away from the end zone on the sideline where he caught it with like just his fingertips on sort of a fade pattern. Uh, that was a beautiful catch. He was seven for 138. And then, of course, uh, Xavier Smith, eight for 96, three touchdowns. He caught all three of uh, Moose's touchdown passes. Isaiah Major on the defensive side had 14 tackles, 10 of them solo, one tackle for loss. He was the SWAT defensive player of the week, I believe. he Was, a, was it a co-defensive or just a straight-up defensive player of the week? Big straight up. I'm not sure. And, I think so too. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, so that that concluded 12th win in a row at Bragg Stadium puts us uh, somewhere I think number two currently amongst FCS winning streaks. And then of course you had the good old post game thing. You had the 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 cold handshake there between Connell Maynard and Willie Simmons, um, which I look I, I give Coach Simmons complete. Uh, 
credit for deflecting whatever was said and not really letting it be a story. Although a day later, or I think it was a day or two later, maybe we see a video come out uh, from uh, a FAMU official. I'm coaching. I think it was a coach, correct? Um, about the left director of football ops. Yeah. Uh, Troy Johnson, I believe had posted a Mm -hmm. video showing the locker room um, that was left. I don't know if you would qualify it as trashed. It definitely wasn't clean. Now, I got some messages from people from Alabama A&M who essentially said that the – and I want to read this verbatim, and then I'm going to come to you, Kelvin, first because I don't want to leave this out. I think it's kind of important for context after the fact that – you know, we put that out there and, and, and there was a lot of chatter on social media. Uh, so the text that I got that said, uh, you know, did they tell you about the condition of the quote unquote locker room when they found it? And I'm assuming they being Alabama A&M, they said <coughs> they said no trash cans, no working showers, no lockers. Uh, trainers had to air it out two hours before the players arrived because it smelled like sewage. Um, yeah, so that was kind of put out there. <clears throat> so all in all, that is how the Alabama A&M game goes, and uh, chalk that up as a win. So, uh, Kelvin, let's, uh, you know, we don't have to talk on that if you don't want to, but I- I'll give you the first shot. Uh, big takeaways from the game, biggest concerns. I'll address uh, the locker room thing first uh, and then move on to the game. Uh, it's much to do about nothing. Uh, I don't think the uh, football, football ops guy should have even put that out there. Uh, he could have just called the visiting team and mentioned, you know, something. Um, uh, truth of the matter is, you know, our, our visiting locker room is not a beautiful place, you know, and it doesn't have lockers and, and my understanding was that there were a lack of trash cans and so forth. So uh, I've seen worse personally um, from other teams who visited and, I, and where we visited. So, you know, generally that stuff is kept in-house. It should have been kept in-house. I thought it was unprofessional. Now to the uh, game. Um, you know, you have to take the W, but we're still not looking like we should. Uh, we were fortunate to only be down 19-14 at, at the half. And as you say, that that drive, right, that with a minute and like three seconds left, I think, that drive to uh, make it 19-14 um, a, a, AMU uh, was big because uh, I don't know if we could have made up the difference uh, with them getting the ball back had we not drove down and made that score so. So, I mean, that, that was really big. Uh, also, um, we were fortunate in, in that, that we didn't have any exceptions because uh, the, the uh, I think it was the first drive uh, we had where we threw the ball um, right to the big D tackle. <laughs> on a, like it was going to be a screen, and, and they just dropped it. Uh, so it was a horrible pass. I don't know what, where that was going. And then, um, though we had ended up having really good um, – Moose had good stats, right, in terms of yardage. 
in the, in the touchdowns. But you know, um, when you look at it, it was it was fifty six percent completion rate. So he he missed by half his passes. And um, had he been on in the first half, uh, we would probably had you probably had five hundred yards of offense and about five or six touchdowns because there were plays there he was missing wide open people in that first half. He was he was he was he was bad. And even though uh, the catches that the guys made, the receivers made. Uh, they were spectacular catches in a lot of cases. They were contorting their bodies and um and you know they weren't routine catches where they were just running under something and 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 uh going in for the score. They made some really important catches where they had to keep the toes in and and uh, reach back and so forth. So uh it was good to see uh um Gerard, what is Gerard? Gerard. Um, it was really it was really good to see him um look like he's getting healthy now because you know we were expecting that kind of contribution for him early and uh you know he, he was coming off an injury that a lot of people didn't realize and it, it, you know takes time to get back up to game speed but he, he looked like he's back so that, that that's a welcome addition going into um the uh gut of the season but at, at, at the end of the day, um, again, we showed character just like we did last year. Remember, we trailed them last year at half and uh, came back. And we, we kind of dominated the second half, actually. They scored a garbage touchdown at the end. I'm not sure what uh, uh, Coach um, Maynard was mad about because uh, he did everything he could to score like 20 seconds left. And then, if I remember correctly, yeah. he even did an onside kick. You know, he even did. though he, he, he had no chance of winning, so uh, that last play was just a little pass to the sidelines. wasn't even down the field. And I think the quarterback audible to uh, call that play. I don't think it was called from the sidelines. Uh, but but you know, it wasn't nothing egregious. Um, bottom line, man, you play ball. And uh, you try if you can't stop the other team and they score, that's what it is. You know, uh, Dion don't does the same thing. He keep his starting quarterback in to the fourth quarter to get the stats right, and he's throwing the ball. So it is what it is, you know. But all in all, it's a win. We had to have it. We got it, and and now you know we got to get another one. Great points, Marcus. Your uh, takeaways. Your. Uh... Uh, thoughts on uh, on the game? Big uh, takeaways? Any big concerns for you? Uh, I think the biggest concern is probably just the slow start. Seems like we start slow on offense, or we've been taking the ball, or the the other team's been deferring until the second half. And we've been, I think, the last couple games we've gotten the opening kickoff. And haven't done a whole lot with it. And I know that's one of the things that Coach Simmons has as a goal in terms of yeah. uh, having a, a first drive touchdown, a first drive score. And it just seems like you just can't get it get it going. I guess uh, we did get the W, and I'm, I'm proud of the second half comeback that we did. But uh, Kelvin's right that we're fortunate that it was only 19-7 and them. Well, until we went on that last two-minute drive before the half. And they were getting the ball back. So I was worried that um, some of the plays they were doing early, which they seemed to go away from, like that tight end delayed wheel route and that quarterback draw, those two things were 
killing the defense in the beginning. So I don't know. I mean, they made adjustments in the second half or maybe Alabama A&M went away from it. But uh, their first two drives where they scored just seemed like and those two plays caused a little confusion on the defense, and they were gashing us with those either quarterback draws up the run or scrambles and that wheel delayed wheel route by the tight end number. I think it was number 88. The other thing I guess that was one thing I've noticed looking back at the stats, it seems like we're doing a lot better with penalties. I don't recall any significant – I mean, there were some penalties we had, but I don't recall any significant ones that 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 called anything back. Uh, Musa did miss some passes early. It seems like I don't know if seems like I don't know if he has a better connection with with Xavier than than uh, Manigo, but it seems like he just not the sync synchronization isn't there all the time because it seems like there's a lot of fade routes that just seem to get missed or dropped. The other thing that was curious that kind of bothered me a lot in the first half when we were down, what was the score? I guess it was. I don't know if it was 19, may have been when we were down 10-7 and we got the punt on our one or two yard line and we shifted Jamaria from the slot, from the wide and we shifted him in the backfield and then we got a safety. safety. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to run him out of the backfield on a two yard line, which, you know, got a big groan out of all the, the Bragg Stadium faithful and just didn't understand you know that kind of, in that kind of position, just the the thought process behind that particular play. It turned out okay in the end because I think we stopped them, and I don't know if that's the drive or if that's somewhere where we start the momentum started to shift. But just the the play call on that struck me very odd. And but I don't coach for a living, but just I seem kind of eh, you're not going to you're not going to trick somebody on the two yard line. But overall, I think it went pretty well. The second half was much better. Seemed like the defense got their footing in A&M or Alabama A&M. Maybe just wasn't having the success, and then we started rolling until the end. But those are probably my biggest things. And I guess there are a couple of curious calls on by refs on the field, but I don't know. All, I guess there's always one or two on the game. There are a couple of things I didn't understand. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, the uh, it's interesting, that safety play. I, I think as I was where I was positioned in that game in the uh, – press box I was thinking first play you know let Jamarier get loose just run a go route just like you know I could obviously he's our fastest guy and from what I had heard from Gerald uh, Thomas of the uh, Democrat he had said that earlier in the week Jamarier being at 100% you could tell the difference and he was the fat I mean he looked like again the fastest guy on the team and, you know, I know that's a hot-button topic, so to speak, amongst, you know, some people who's the fastest guy on the team. But it is Jamarier when he's 100% healthy. And that's why I'm thinking, okay, we're backed up. Run a go-route. You know, just put him up against that guy and, let you know, just Musa throw it out there and just, you know, hey, Jamarier, just go run under that ball and catch it. And, yeah, you, you brought up the points. Um, as, as, as bold of prediction, I was very happy to see Musa – throw for over 300 as I predicted and have the multiple touchdowns as I predicted. Uh, he did leave some balls out on the field, Kelvin. Yes. Uh, the fifth, the percentage w- was low. And like you said, had he completed just half of those ones that he missed? Yeah. He probably had about 500 yards and, you know, probably had about four, five touchdowns in that game. 
Uh, so that's some, and especially, I mean, there was one that was a clear touchdown that he overthrew. And so I, I'm, you know, I think for some reason, the routes that he's running Marcus to Manigo, they all seem to be towards the sideline or going towards the sideline. You know, it's like, I don't see anything going to Manigo consistently, like over the middle of the field. And he's just not connecting with Manico on those particular throws. So, um, that's, yeah, that's one other thing uh, I'd like to add. One other, is that, um, I don't know if it's, I haven't noticed much tight end action. And we got like what three or four, and we've got Kobe Gross, we've got, um, gosh, I can't, can't believe I forgot his name. Well, I don't, I, they don't uh, use Pruitt, they don't got, use Pruitt, even though Pruitt is listed as a tight, they don't use him much as a tight end. Uh, no, they got Pruitt, the they got, um, I know Nick Dixon, I think they split him out wide a lot. They're using him at wide receiver versus tight end, but I think he's kind of a hybrid, maybe same as, as Pruitt. Kamari. And uh, Kamari, Kamari Young. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, he was – I mean, last year, what, he got 13 balls, but, you know, like he had like four or yeah, five touchdowns, at least a few touchdowns. So it's like our tight end usage, I don't know if it's what the defense is giving us or showing us or what, but I'd like to see that take advantage, especially some of the offers we're making to tight ends. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you get at the position, gets 30 passes over the course of a season, you're not going to get a four-star tight end to come. Good point. Um, I got to make mention on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, uh, secondary, I thought, did a, a, a really nice job, uh, especially uh, I thought Javon Morgan – Five tackles, five solo. He also had an interception. Uh, Darius Fagan also got an interception. So Kofi hit on his bold prediction, which was the defense would have. Actually, Kofi hit on two of his bold predictions. The one he he, he scratched, which was he said Musa, no interceptions, but he scratched that one off the table. Didn't want to jinx it. And then he said the defense would get two turnovers, two interceptions, I think, which they did. Uh, Fagan got an INT, and then uh, Morgan got an INT. But um, uh, B.J. Bowler with some nice tackles. And I, I thought the middle, um, and I want to, uh, Kamari Stevens and Jenna Hunt, those two in the middle playing that nose guard, nose tackle position, I thought they did a really good job in the middle uh, of the defense. And I, I think that's something that that is going to be something that's going, we're, we're going to rely on that a lot in these upcoming games against some of these uh, upcoming opponents. And so I thought they had one of their best games. I mean, I know I called their number a lot in that contest. Um, uh, so yeah, I thought, uh, uh, Brian, I, Brian, I just want to bring up, uh, I, I don't think we're going to, Commit to the run. It looks like offensively. Uh, I I, th- I think to that uh, what we ran, we we threw the ball. We was inside ten, I believe. The we was in the oh, red zone. Yes. We threw the ball like three straight times, and uh, yes. you know we got two hundred and thirty pound running backs. Uh, I don't know what's up with that. Why 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 we don't run the ball more at people, uh, but. Uh, I, it's gonna come to bite. It's gonna come back to bite us if we don't do that a little more. Mm-hmm. And actually, Kelvin, I think that was right after that Sports Center top ten catch that Jamari Sharid had, because that's what got us down in position. And we were like, pound it in, pound it in. And speaking of which, side note, Kofi in section P, Hall section P. If you don't have season tickets, 
or if you don't have a, a game like Kofi is a show unto himself. And he, his show was going when we didn't run the ball through it street three straight times. And that was like, what are you doing? You know, in terms of what are we doing on the field, we got the field going instead of the touchdown. But it's like, we were like, okay, you got, I know we've had injuries at running back, but you still got Terrell Jennings, who was running during the game, and you still mm-hmm. got Jalen wow. McLeod. So it's like, even if yeah. you're just throwing both in the backfield or one or the other, if you, you know, got to run out of a shotgun or a pistol, but we, we had beef and skill back there to at least, at least try one run play. And, it, you know, we try to get too cute. And one, oh, the, here, first one me... almost got picked, the first one almost got picked off because it was a back shoulder throw to Manigo. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, DB got his hands on it. We're lucky because he, he would have ran it back for a pick six. So we threw the ball 45 times in total. Uh, Musa with 41 of those. We ran the ball 25 times. Uh, Ter- Terrell Jennings had 11 attempts, 58 yards. McLeod, seven carries for 22. And then a few other guys, spot spots here and there. But really, design run plays, consistent run plays. That's almost a, a what, a three-to-one ratio pass to run. I, you know, I... I don't know, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of find out from Coach and seeing how this game plays out against Valley, where does he want to be? I think that's where he wants to be. He, I, I think he has a hard time buying into being the run team that we all see us being, that that is when we are at our best. I think he really wants – this passing game to flourish. Um, and, and I think that's what he's, that's what he's going to work on. I, and I know he's got Musa rounding out into his best performance of the season. I, you know, who knows, man, I, but, but it's one of those things we just gonna have to watch. We just gonna have to grit our, we have to, what would they say? Grit our teeth and bear it because that's just who our coach is. Our coach wants to pass He's a quarterback. He wants the he wants the high level passing attack. Look, we've got all these weapons. Uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, and so we we just gotta uh, uh, deal with it. Hey, I want to bring up two other stats here before I ask you guys for your game ball, offense or defense. Did you know? And you brought this up, Marcus. Our slow start. Either you or Kelvin brought up our slow starts. This now is the third consecutive game, excluding the the. The, the touchdown at the North Carolina game where we tied it up at seven in the first quarter. We have been outscored now by a total of, let's see, 7-0 Jackson State, 7-0 Albany State, 10 nothing Alabama A&M. Uh, do the math. What's that? 24-0 and 24-0, was the first quarter score against North Carolina. So, I mean, take, take it even further, and we're talking – that and and remember what I told you last week. Prior to this game against Alabama AM, we had not scored in the fourth quarter. The, the 10 points we scored in the fourth quarter this past Saturday, first time we'd scored in the fourth quarter. Although we got a lot of work at the beginning and ending of these ball games. In the middle, we seem to be, you know, we find ourselves, but yeah, the the we're still a work in progress, guys. I look, you know, I don't 
We, we are definitely a work in progress here in the first trimester of the season. So, uh, all right, before we go to break, game ball, offense or defense, uh, you can go either way you want. Kelvin, who's your game ball go to? So I'm going to do both. And on defense, of course, is Isaiah Major. Um, he was as advertised. He was all over the place making plays left and right. Uh, he had double uh, the amount of total tackles than the next closest person who had seven totals. And he had more solos. He had 10 solos out of his 14 tackles. So so um, uh, we just needed him to continue to show. And then um, also uh, on the opposite side, I have to go with both receivers. I couldn't choose one. Um, both of them right at 100 yards. One was over 100 yards. One was right at 100 yards. One had three touchdowns. And they were spectacular catches, man. They, they, they really uh, – um, they were obviously the best players on the, on the field. I mean, they were, they just stood out, right? So, so our uh, uh, both our receivers on uh, Jamare and um, Zayman or K Dot as they call them. Hmm. Uh, Marcus, game ball. Uh, well, I mean, Kevin took my two obvious choices, but I think I on defense. I saw some action from um, Isaiah Lamb. I think he was disruptive. When we started turning momentum around, uh, he started bothering the quarterback. I think he did get get at least one sack, but I seem to remember a couple of hurries and maybe even a batted pass or two. You know, something. So I would yeah. give him, you know, just to, not to repeat um, what Kelvin said around Isaiah Major. On offense, you know, there's you know, there's not much. Well, I won't say there's not much to choose from, but it was very obvious the two wide receivers. Uh, were the best on the field. So, you know, I'll, I'll stick with Kellen on that one. Yeah, Lamb had three tackles, all of them solo, two tackles for loss, a sack, a pass breakup, and a quarterback hurry. Uh, so that was the complete uh, complete stat line for Isaiah Lamb. Pretty good game, of course. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to get my – you know, I'm going to get my game ball too, my guy. Oh, yeah. My guy that I – yeah, I'm, you know, hey, the moose, moose. Got to give it to the moose. The moose, you know, moose man, you know, hey, I called it. I told you he'd have his first 300-plus performance, 343, three touchdowns, no INTs, fortunately. Probably should have had one, but it ends up being zero. Was not sacked, which was good, telling me that he got rid of the ball uh, efficiently. And, uh, look, we got to clean up the completion percentage. You know, 23 or 41 is not good, not even average. Well, it is average, so we got to be better at that. All right, let's take a break. Quick two minutes, come back. Uh, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back right after these words. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. No. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quick.
quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. It's like a loop machine. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Time to call a credit repair company. Shout out to FAMU Athletics, putting out some more dope uh, 
video productions. Uh, man, they continue to put out uh, the hot stuff. Man, that was a beautiful video for those of you who got a chance. We're not if you're listening to us on the podcast and all you heard was music. Uh, but if, you, if you're watching us uh, on YouTube or, or Facebook or on Twitter, uh, that highlight package from the Alabama A&M courtesy of FAMU Athletics. Um, we had planned to have uh, Joshua Padilla on Wednesday's show. Obviously, we had to make change, but uh, hopefully we will have him the following uh, Wednesday for next week's show. Um, but let's go... A quick around the swack as we kind of recap last week's action, just in case you forgot. Uh, I'll just run through some scores and then I'll I'll, I'll run through them just in the swack and have you guys offer up a, a, a quick thought or two on any of these contests. That are- um, of course, Jackson State with a forty-nine to seven win over Valley. That was at Jackson State. Uh, Valley did score first. And then Jackson State, uh, with a with a strong second half, went ahead uh, 49 straight points, including a big second half, uh, to send the game over. Very important for those of us who uh, were playing the over in that contest. Uh, Bethune-Cookman gets a home win against Grambling. Uh, Grambling showing up to Bethune-Cookman with no Gs on their helmet and uh, no no wins and uh, no no points in the second half as Bethune-Cookman uh, takes care of business 36-19 in the second half. Texas Southern fresh off their win against Southern. No, let me rephrase that. Their shutout win against Southern played a very hot UTSA. That's uh, University of Texas San Antonio. And I think they are FBS now. They've moved yes. up, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, fifty-two to twenty-four. Uh, you know, not not a bad representation, I, I'd say. Um, the two highlight games of the SWAC were probably the preview traveling to Alabama State game. Uh, preview a road favorite ended up winning that ball game twenty-four to fifteen, and then Alcorn State. At home against UAPB gets a 38-21 win in which uh, uh, the young man, I believe it's Jervion Howard, I I think I had that name right, ran for 295 yards and four touchdowns. I'm so glad we don't play Alcorn State in the regular season. Hopefully we play them, we can get to them in the SWAC championship game, but uh, do not want to see that running attack because man, they're killing it. Uh, impressions, Kelvin from the SWAC roundup, who impressed you or, or who disappointed you the most from the past weekend? So the Bethune Gremlin game, uh, resonated with me. Uh, now that game was close going. I think it was actually tied in the third quarter, uh, going into the fourth and, um, and Bethune got, you know, some big plays, some big turnovers, a, a big, uh, I think it was like an eight-eight yard. Uh, I don't know if it was a run pass, but um, so so um, Bethune getting on the board and looking a little bit more explosive offensively, I think bodes well for them, and they they could be a spoiler going down the stretch. And then um, uh, Prairie View on winning at Alabama State, I thought was a. Uh, validation of what we've seen from them early in the season. 
they're 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 a strong contender. It looks like it's coming down to those two um, in terms of the West. Texas Southern is interesting to me. I I don't know what to make of them. Right? Uh, they 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 look horrible. They look like the same old Texas Southern the first couple of games, but these last two games, um, I mean, to put twenty four points up against UTSA, who uh actually been raising sand at the FBS level. They've been playing really well. And to, you know, uh, to, to put up 24 points against them. And then, of course, they blew out, uh, shut out uh, Southern. So, uh, I, I don't I don't know, man. If, if, they, if they for real, if that defense is for real, uh, then, then they're, they're to sleep on, like BCU's to sleep on the, on the east side and Texas Southern will be to sleep on the west side, look like. Yeah, uh, that that ball game, that Texas Southern game, they scored a late touchdown to make it thirty uh, twenty four to thirty five, which you know, similar to us, where what th- now this is twenty four is the high. That is the most anybody has scored against uh, any HBCU team has scored against an FBS. We did that to Carolina, Texas Southern did that, and then very similar to our game, the fourth quarter. We you you know you gave up uh, one two two touchdowns and a field goal. That's what Texas Southern gave up, and it got away. Very similar to what happened to us. We cut it to a thirty five twenty four game at the end of the third quarter. Fourth quarter we gave up like three touchdowns or something like that. So I guess there's that depth and fatigue. Uh, and then going back to the Grambling game you mentioned, Kelvin, Grambling didn't score in that second half. They 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 got a safety to go up by two with about eight minutes to go in the second quarter and they didn't score again. So, um, you know, and Bethune showing up with some defense, but I think Grambling's just got some issues that they're trying to work through. And it, you know, I, I, I think it's some culture and identity things that coach, uh, Hugh is trying to get across to people. Uh, what are your thoughts, Marcus on, uh, the SWAC weekend? Well, overall, I guess um, for Jackson State, the game kind of went how we would expect it. I was hoping when I saw the first score, you know, early on, I was like, oh, and I was hoping, you know, Valley would sneak up and bite them. But it was not to be, you know, I was I was hoping, you know, and then uh, for the Grambling, I was surprised that the Bethune could, and maybe I haven't really been keeping tabs on, on BCU, but. For Grambling, I thought, especially after coming out of their Jackson State game, they might have had a little bit more fire, and it would have been competitive. And I was actually expecting Grambling to to win that game. I don't know, just for whatever reason. And Bethune came out and showed something. So those two and Prairie View, I haven't I've been watching them, and you know, especially with uh, Coach McDowell in their first season, just seeing how things are going. But it sounds like, and it looks like they're getting tuned up and wanting to make sure that last last year just wasn't a fluke in terms of their their representation in the uh, swag title game, but, you know, looking to make a repeat performance with a different coach. So, you know, he's looking to make establish and put his stamp on it. So I have to keep an eye out for them. In Alcorn, I think they're they're looking to looking to reestablish some of the uh dominance they had when they were on the East division, you know, before last year. Or even I guess spring twenty twenty one when they um I don't know if it was spring when they couldn't play or something like that and they kind of sort of got penalized yeah. in the fall 
And so yeah, I think they're trying to get back in the saddle, but now they're in the West Division. So that's going to it's going to be real competitive, especially if you know Southern and Grambling, if the early returns stay like they are, and then it comes down to PV and Alcorn. That's going to be real interesting. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people in Slack Nation just that are leaning now more towards Alcorn and Prairie View and, and, and feeling less confident about Southern. I mean, outside of the state of Louisiana, there's less confidence about uh, Southern and Grambling than at the beginning of the year. And, and that's the, the, the beautiful thing is that's the instant reaction to what? One conference game and a series of non-conference games against some weak opponents and some power five opponents, you know what I'm saying? And so now it's like a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of football left to play. Let's just say it like that uh, for, for Southern and Grambling. Although this week could be a real proving point for Grambling as uh, they could be up against it if they lose this week. All right, let's quickly go through the Rattler roundup. You want to add something, Kelvin? No, I I was going to say, uh, Let's roll. If we get to the roundup, let's get it to to it at the end. Let's roll right into the uh, swag this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Let's okay. So let's go rattler roundup. Uh, Kelvin, what do we got first? Rattler roundup. Well, the volleyball team. Uh, we had uh, all swag honors for Brooke Watts. Uh, we swept uh, Bethune last week uh, in a match down in Daytona, three zero. Um, she was the swag newcomer of the week. And so the volleyball team will be on uh, uh, on the road this this week in Alabama. They play both uh, Alabama State and Alabama A and M on tomorrow and Sunday. So uh, they're looking to keep their swag uh, undefeated uh, streak going. I think the last loss was the first game of last year to Jackson State, and they hadn't lost since. So. Uh, um, they should get a really good challenge in Alabama State. Um, they be have a pretty solid program. And then um, the only other thing I wanted to mention outside of the, the volleyball was uh, uh, is non-sports related, but I think it's really big. Uh, we had six students to um, file a lawsuit against the state of Florida for uh, uh, um, underfunding the university. Uh, over the last what thirty years, I think it did. I think they went back to like 80, 82, 81, somewhere around there. So uh, it, it's long overdue, and um, and um, uh, family being on the public HBCU, uh, public funded HBCU uh, in the state, uh, and, and of course the history. I think um, that uh, um, we have a very favorable chance of of that being successful. Yeah, I, I know I want to find some time in one of our upcoming shows to invite, uh, whether it be the lawyer or some of those students on. Um, obviously, you know, that story got a lot of traction on social media. I do not want to let that thing go to sleep. Uh, this is an article I'm reading out of the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel. Uh, and, and you also, what what was it that you retweeted? I, I think that should be restated you you retweeted the actual uh legal document if i'm not the filing the actual filing yeah so you retweeted that 
Um, so that I didn't get a chance to read all through that, but this I, this is just the first couple of paragraphs from the Sun Sentinel, uh, dated the twenty second. So this happened, uh, yeah, pretty much right. Actually, this started coming out right after we did the show. So this was like the next day when this came out. And so any, uh, the, the article just reads, arguing that the state has failed to meet funding obligations and other commitments to Florida A&M University. Six students on Thursday filed a potential class action lawsuit accusing state officials of, quote unquote, an intentionally discriminating. Uh, intentional discrimination, excuse me, against the historically black school. The federal lawsuit alleged that the state has maintained, quote, a segregated system of higher education, unquote, and that Florida's uh, disparate funding and support of FAMU violated constitutional equal protection rights. Uh, The state of Florida, the Board of Governors for the state's university system, and Chancellor Marshall Kreiser are named as defendants in the federal lawsuit, which was filed in the Northern District of Florida. Uh, so again, that is huge. Um, and, and it feels like that just piggybacks on like Forbes.com when they published that article talking about how much money, I, which was into the billions, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. 1.2 right? billion. 1.2 yep. billion, yeah. The the amount of money that has been withheld from FAMU, right? And so I, I look, I, I don't, I don't even pretend to understand. Well, why no one else has filed this? But I'm curious as to why and how these students were able to uh, file this, and how much traction will this get in a. Uh, what this is an election year in the state of Florida, right? So, I mean, here we are deciding on the governor of the state of Florida. It'll be interesting if this becomes a topic or how this potentially gets played in the political system. Uh, so, again, there, there's a lot to that, and I, and I know we, we're going to talk about that more on a future show. Uh, you, you best believe that. Um, all right. Good, good, uh, good nuggets there. Uh, Kelvin, uh, Marcus, what do you got in the roundup for us? Well, we have men's and women's basketball practices starting up and having the respective media days. Uh, the schedules released, uh, for the women. And our first game is November 7th at Florida at the Gators. We have our home opener on the 15th of November, uh, Georgia state. We do have three home games total in our non-conference slate, the one aforementioned versus Georgia State in November and two in December, those being Sam Houston and Tuskegee uh, coming to the Lawson Center. And our SWAC home opener is on January 2nd. And I did have an opportunity to listen to uh, Coach Pillow in in the press conference, the preseason press conference. And she mentioned a player – that I guess apparently is on campus, but not listed on the roster yet. So I had to do some digging. And she mentioned, let me see, get to the, uh, where was it? Uh, There it is. Uh, She mentioned her by name, Paula. She didn't give her last name, but she mentioned that she's part of the triumvirate, what she called her Canadian connection. We have two other transfers, um, 
Meedy, and I'm not sure if I can pronounce her last name because I'm not going to butcher it, but she came from Purdue and she's from Canada. And then Ariana Grizzle, I think she transferred. She's from Canadian, but she transferred from University of Alabama. So doing some digging and checking social media for the athletic accounts, I believe the person, the third Canadian person that she mentioned is a young lady by the name of Paula Weeks, who is a 5'10 junior guard forward from Toronto, Canada. Uh, she transferred from Iona. So she's coming in as a grad student. I think she was a, crack, a class of 2018. And some of her accolades at Iona, she was a, a MAAC all-rookie team selection. Uh, and she's on the all-academic team in 2019-2020. Uh, she missed 2018-2019, which I presume to be her freshman year due to injury. And so I believe, and I don't, I'm assuming she gets a COVID year as well. So I don't know how that plays out in terms of how many seasons she has. But just doing digging, but unconfirmed, I think Paula Weeks is that third person from Canada who is now a part of the FAMU Lady Rattlers basketball team. So hopefully she'll provide some depth and allow us to, to have a good rotation. I also noticed that um, at least from the roster listing that's on the website, that um, three, we have the three freshmen return. There's one young lady, I believe, Naomi Johnson. I didn't see her on the roster, but she was a freshman last year. But we do have three of the freshmen returning. And the young lady from Cleveland, and a young lady from Michigan, and the forward from Texas. And also on the men's side, we're going to be playing uh, Kentucky in the Rupp Arena for the Unity Series. And I believe this year also we kick off our two-year SWAC Pac-12 partnership uh, traveling to Oregon. And so, you know, we have them kicking off the season pretty soon. I think Kentucky game is December 21st. And November, probably around the opening week or so, is our game at Oregon. Hey, um, I first off, uh, props to you, Marcus, on the digging on the uh, – doing the investigative uh, work there. I mean, that, that's that's next level. Um, I, I heard during the press conference, which, by the way, I just went ahead and clipped both of those press uh, junkets from Coach McCollum and Coach Pillow. I'm going to post mm -hmm. that on our Facebook page after our show tonight. So I got all the editing done. So I'll post, if anybody did not catch the SWAC Media Day interview with Coach McCullum or Coach Pillow. I'm going to post those on our Facebook page at ONG Strike Zone. And then you can go watch, you know, they're about maybe 10 to 12 minutes each um, with, with our coach. But for Coach Pillow, uh, who is it that we're playing out in California? Are we playing, who are we playing out in California? Because they may. I think mention, we're playing Cal Berkeley. I think we're playing Cal Berkeley because she mentioned we'll be in the Oakland area. So the only two. Uh, power five teams out there would be either Cal Berkeley or Stanford. So I think we're playing them, Cal Berkeley Bears. And they have a black coach, I'm assuming. I mean, they're, they're, they're rare. I mean, you know, black coaches in Division One basketball are like unicorns. So, mm -hmm. I mean, um, uh, I don't they, know. Do that game's December, name? looks like December 18th. December 18th against Cal. Yeah, Cal okay. Berkeley. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was so that 
you know, there are not too many of those kind of matchups that happen. So um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many. I don't think the Pac-12 or whatever number they are these days has a history of a lot of uh, African American female coaches. So um, that that was sort of one of the questions that came up. So that that's kind of big. Okay. And then um, I tell you what, I'm I'm kind of I almost want. It's a good thing I have an obligation to be in Tallahassee on December 21st. Uh, uh, but I would love to be in Kentucky for FAMU at Rupp Arena. That's, you know, it's just kind of one of those mm-hmm. basketball mecca, you know, bucket list places that even though I hate Kentucky basketball, let me just clarify <laughs> that. You know, as as a born Hoosier, I am not supposed mm-hmm. to like Kentucky basketball, but just being able to go see my alma mater play in Rupp Arena would be something nice. Uh, okay, let me clean that up. So there you go. Um, <laughs> let me finish off the roundup by talking about a uh, coach that's coming back on campus, Coach Brian Houston. And he is even spells it the correct way with a Y, so I'm already a big fan. Uh, he is the husband of uh, Rochelle Houston, who is FAMU's director of tennis, Um, he's, uh, returning to campus interesting after pursuing his career in film. So that when we have him on the show, we're going to have to talk about that. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I believe, let me see, I'm looking up here. Coach Houston was a, let me, let me see if I find it here in the article. I don't want to read the whole thing. Uh, he was the, in 2007, he was the strength and conditioning coach at FAMU overseeing most sports such as men's and women's track and field, tennis, cross-country, women's volleyball, basketball, and more. Uh, In 2010, Coach was encouraged to pursue the industry of theater and worked at the Florida State Film School where he began his journey working with great producers like Tyler Perry. So uh, there's an interesting story. Uh, Kelvin, have you obviously been there in Tallahassee, having worked in the department? Uh, do you have any interactions with Coach Houston? Uh, any Anything you can add or want to share? Um, when I was in athletics, he wasn't there. But, uh, of course, uh, him being a, a husband of uh, Coach Houston, I've interacted with him some. Um Really good guy, solid guy. He's a Alabama State grad, a former football player, actually. And uh, right. all American, um, yeah, at Alabama State, yeah. yeah, and ran track, yeah. ran track too, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we'll, uh, good, we good have a that we, we have a need, and he's experienced. Uh, so so it's good to have him back, and it's good to have people at FAMU who are qualified and want to be at FAMU. Ah, key word there. Uh, last thing I want to make mention of that happened earlier in the week, our FAMU men's golf team traveled to, they were in Brazelton, Georgia. Any, where is Brazelton, Georgia, outside of where? Anybody? I think it's north of Atlanta. It's up in those counties okay. that um, when I remember, this is going back when I was you know growing up, Brazelton was one of those areas. Well, well, I wouldn't have gone there when I was growing up, but I think now it's like considered part of the metro or just outside the metro county area. <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't have been caught dead there back in 
30, 30 years ago, but now, okay. Um, so the Rattler golf team was up there for their second event of the season, and they came back as winners again. So this is the second event uh, that they have been a part of, that they have been, uh, that they have won. This time, fam, you did it as a team representing and flying under the uh, orange and green flag. Uh, they finished with a team score of plus 25, defeating Chicago State, Tennessee State, Arkansas Pine Bluff, North Carolina Central, Maryland Eastern Shore. And I guess we had two teams, an A and a B team. So the A team is the team that was led by Jacob Uyesato. I got to work on that pronunciation. Uh, he finished first, tied for first, with, with a score of 213 over 54 holes. Uh, there were a few other guys. I, I think when we get Coach Rice on, we got to do some phonetics. We got to – I'm like, hey, Coach, we, we just got to – we just got to get a recording of some of these phonetics and have the guys say their name. So that way we can practice on the phonetics. I hate messing these guys' names up uh, like that, but uh, okay. Uh, so that's, uh, that's uh, the Rattler roundup. We're going to get into talking about the uh, Valley game here in a brief second, but let's kind of run down the, the list of games tomorrow. Tomorrow is October 1st, gentlemen, last day of September, the beginning of October, FAMU obviously celebrating its birthday on October 3rd. So uh, just a reminder for those of you who forgot or didn't know, make sure to get your orange and green ready. Kelvin, you got your outfit picked out for, for Monday, yes? Actually, no, I haven't. <laughs> okay, well, but I, but I, but I, but I, I haven't. I, I haven't read. You know, I, I, I built up a homecoming week, but uh, okay. yeah, I have a little something for all right. Well, you know, on Fam FAMU's birthday, October third. Uh, just in case y'all y'all know the year, hopefully. Um, but October third. So make sure on Monday, make sure you wear your orange and green. Okay. So here's the rundown. We have five SWAT games. This is the second consecutive week that there have been five SWAT games. SWAT v SWAT. We have not had the full six versus six yet. So that'll be coming up, I believe. In a in uh what week is this? This is week five. That's coming up in a couple weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, all right. So here's the rundown. Here's the rundown of games. I'm gonna leave out the Valley FAMU game because we're gonna talk about that after the break. Bethune's at Alabama A&M. That's a 2 p.m. Central kickoff on the Bulldog Sports Network. I don't know if that's YouTube or just audio. Probably YouTube. Bethune-Cookman has been apparently in Montgomery for a few days now. Uh, A&M still looking for their first win. I don't know what to make of this game. Um, we'll, we, we, can, we can touch on it in a second. Um, UAPB is at Southern. That's a 6 p.m. Central kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Interesting stat coming from our producer, A.D. Drew. These teams have a combined three wins. None of them have, a, have been against FCS opponents. Again, uh, UAPB is two and two. Southern is one and three. No wins against FCS competition. They've either won against Actually, they've won all against lower division teams. Period. Uh, just let that sink in for a second. 
Um, Southern's coming off a bye week. They needed it. This will be a big game. UAPB is on the road for the second consecutive week uh, after starting out 2-1 and one playing uh, nobody. All right. The, the big game in Dallas, the State Fair Classic, Prairie View, Grambling State, 6 p.m. Central. That's going to be on HBCU Go. Man, Prairie View has won the last four games. Now, interesting enough, before that, Grambling had won four games in a row. And then I think before that, Prairie View had won like three games in a row. So that game's coming up. That's going to be an interesting game. Might be an elimination game for Grambling State. If they lose that with three conference losses, I don't know how in the world they're coming back. It, well, no, technically they won't have three because the Jackson State didn't count as a conference loss. I got to remember that. That did not count as a conference loss. So, yeah, there's still hope. But, uh, yeah, just could be a big game. Big game for somebody. Alabama State at Texas Southern. This is for you, uh, Kelvin. Uh, 6 p.m. Central on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, now, this is interesting. Alabama State has won the last four. Actually, they've won the last eight of nine. The last time that Tennessee State won was in 2016 after Texas losing State. four games in a row. So what did I say? Texas Southern? I'm sorry. What did I say? Yeah, Texas Southern. State. So Alabama State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Texas, Alabama State at Texas Southern. Uh, so if there's a if there's an opportunity for an upset, woo, Texas Southern might be able to provide it, given the history mm-hmm. of the last time there was a four game win streak. Um, we're going uh, to let's take a break and give you guys a chance to think about any comments you have on those games. Remember, don't give away too much because we got our picks contest coming up. All those games are a part of the picks contest, as well as another big non-conference, non-SWAC matchup in the FCS level. That'll be part of the picks contest. And then we're going to talk about Valley and Florida A&M, give you our score and bold predictions coming up on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download 
We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Don't worry, Ma, we'll be there soon. We? Is this the one? Well, let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. You're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. It's like a loop machine. Going around town, trying to get down. strike zone that's just a little snippet of the rattler walk which takes place uh a couple i'd say probably maybe about two and a half hours before kickoff uh this past week for the alabama state game it was about 345 really 330 is kind of when they tell you to start kind of lining up for a six o'clock game so uh it's right out there in, in front of the lawson center coming out of gaither headwards the stadium, uh, you know, we need is, you know, I saw Coach Riz send a tweet out about this. We need as many Rattlers uh, out there as possible. If you have not been to a Rattler walk, that the team needs that energy. They need to see that that excitement and energy from the fan base. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I had that's the first one I've been to. Uh, decided to, to to record it. Uh, so that's on our Facebook page. You can see the whole thing on Facebook. Uh, Kelvin, yeah, if you, I know you've been around for a few of these. Maybe you have. Have you had a chance to get 
to any of those Rattler walks. And and Marcus, if if you, I don't know. Well, you probably didn't make it. I know where you were. Um, but uh, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> Kelvin, <laughs> your thoughts on the uh, Rattler walk? Have you been over to him? Yeah, I've been to a few. You know, um, prior to um, me doing gig work, you know, I used to be out there tailgating eight, nine in the morning, you know, so um, I'm, I'm the aware before game time anyway. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it's a tradition that uh, they, they're bringing back. It used to be a, a big deal back in the 60s and so forth where they actually came from the set all the way down to the to, to the games, you know. And I believe they, I believe they played some of those games uh, at the track back in the day, way back in the day. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's trying to bring back tradition. It still needs to be built. Um, a lot of people are not aware of it and, and a lot of people aren't there, uh, that early before the game. So hopefully as they continue to be consistent with it, they got the band a part of it. That was not the case. Um, uh, so, so, uh, they're doing everything, they, everything they can to promote it and hopefully it, it'll pick up yeah, I, I do. I do remember when they first brought it back. There was a walk from the set where they came down from the set, kind of that path in between the two, uh, um, the the two was it the two the two men's dorms right there across from Gibbs, um, and, and and it would sort of filter its way across the street in between the power plant. You know, I, I think that's what it used to be, right? Um, but yeah, yes. I mean that's a long yeah, that's a, that's a long stride a long from the set. Yeah, it right. is, <laughs> it's a definitely definitely a long the, walk. The I mean, guys, hey, hey, when they used to do it back in the day, the cafeteria was on the set. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean guys, man, you, you take that walk. Guys need a need a need a Gatorade after taking that walk, man. I'm telling you, guys be gassed out, uh, you know. So uh, yeah, that's uh. That was a nice, uh, nice little tradition. Hey, I don't know if you saw in the well, you if you watched the video long enough. Uh, I did get a chance to. Uh, I didn't even know I was doing it, but uh, our good friend uh, Janiah Davis from the softball softball team, FAMU softball team, was with her teammates there. Uh, they were actually working concessions on the east side. So if you are getting actually in the section, you guys were in section O over there, Marcus, they were in the concession, uh, 50 yard line concession serving whatever they sell in there. So if you get a chance when you're on that side behind the band or, you know, where section O is and such, you know, go over to that concession and, and shout out, uh, Janiah and her softball teammates. But, uh, you know, she's a big supporter, big friend of the program, so uh, we gotta we gotta give a, a plug whenever we can to our student athletes, and uh, Janiah is working with the Anthony Lawrence collection, where she has a pair of shirts that you can pre-order, uh, and there, there's some cool designs, nice design work. I'm telling you, uh, we remember we did this uh, with Oxendine uh, and his shirts, and. Uh, uh, I mean, our, our student athletes are doing some amazing work. And so there you see one of the designs, part of the Anthony Lawrence collection, which, by the way, 
I'm telling you, in terms of gear, the Anthony Lawrence collection, they're putting out some nice stuff. Uh, and so it's great to see that she's partnered with them. And there you can see two uh, designs, of course, the JD and the orange and green. And I think she even has another design as well. But uh, right now, uh, the shirts are going to be released in about two weeks. And she says right now we only have the black available in the with the JD logo and the Davis graphic. Uh, I think they're going to soon be releasing the orange. Um, you can uh, go to the anthonylawrencecollection.com website, and I believe you can do a search under Janaya JD Davis logo, and that's where you can you can find her shirt. And uh, I want to make sure you can also get 15% off if you use the code JD. So again, if uh, you can buy um, you can buy FAMU gear as well. Uh, now this is not including those shirts, but you can buy FAMU gear and get 15% off using the code JD. So I uh, want to encourage you to go over to Anthony Lawrence Collection. Uh, go pre-order the Janiah Davis shirt. Show some support for our friend of the program. And then go buy you some FAMU gear. Use the code JD and get 15% off. All right. FAMU, Mississippi Valley State. Well, we know last year, that contest, uh, yeah, there we go. I see, you know, great graphics there. AnthonyLawrenceCollection.com. Use the code JD at checkout. That's on your FAMU gear, okay? I think that's just on FAMU gear, not on the uh, Janiah Davis uh, shirts, okay? So uh, please go, uh, go support. Go support. All right, here we go. Valley Week. FAMU, Mississippi Valley State. Uh, Valley comes into the contest 0-4. Uh, Massey Ratings has FAMU predicted to win this by at least two touchdowns. But we know Valley last year gave us fits. Mm-hmm. Do Is this – I don't know if this is a – and this is a different point of the season. Last year was almost in the third trimester of the year. This game is just coming out of the first trimester. So we're real – it's a it's a whole it's an entirely different point of the season. First weekend of October versus playing a team in November. Uh, Valley's zero and four. We're two and two. What concerns do you have, Kelvin and Marcus? Let's start there quickly. Concerns. What concerns you about Valley in this matchup, Kelvin and then Marcus? Nothing. Well said, <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> Any concerns? <laughs> Nothing. Come on. Uh, well, when I was looking at some of the stats, and even though they're kind of you know slated, slanted because of who we played early on and who they played, right. it's our weakness versus their strength because we're giving up like 200 yards a game rushing. And I know some of that's from Carolina, just you know running the ball and having a. a and I don't. I don't think. Jackson State ran that much, but we gave up some big chunks of yards to Alabama A&M last week, mostly on quarterback draws. And that's what their bread and butter is on offense. And conversely, their weakness is pass defense. 
So they're like second to last in all of FCS and pass defense. So, okay. I mean, I, from a talent standpoint, I, mean, I think we definitely have the, the better talent, especially if we get a lot of the folks who are deemed ineligible. If we get some of them back or most of them back after the four games, from a talent standpoint, yes. But right now it looks like the two weaknesses and strengths of the teams will be competing against each other. So we're going to have to shore up our run defense. I don't think I they'll win. Add, yeah, go ahead, Kelvin. Yeah, I, I just add the reason I said nothing is uh, uh, Marcus kind of hit on first we and Bragg. So uh, what happened out there last year don't translate uh, to me. Um, Ashley, you know, without the early mistakes we had, and I can't remember we was up 10-0, we should have been up 28-0 uh, early in the second quarter. Um, so um, um, I, I just think in this particular case that they don't match up this year with where we are and where we're going. And then to add what Marcus said, I know we'll be getting a couple of more running backs back uh, this week, and there is anticipation that we'll get uh, some some other guys back, both injured and and some that haven't been cleared. Um, you know, we had two quarterbacks. The reason you saw Ja'Cory Jordan come in first quarterback off the bench last game, so I was kind of right <laughs> uh, in the second quarter was because uh, – because, uh, you know, the availability, uh, him and Sapp were the only available quarterbacks. You hadn't seen Junior all year. Um, he, you know, he's one of the guys that kind of trying to get through the whole compliance deal. And then um, uh, Rashawn wasn't dressed out because uh, he's been battling injuries the whole first time. So, so I, I know that we've got another running back uh, that we hadn't seen, but we heard about um, – uh, all during fall camp where he was showing out and, and even in the spring. Uh, and um, then he's anticipated to be back for this game too. So, so I, I think we're going to have, you know, you, you see KDOT, he's healthy now. So we're getting people back. We're already dangerous. And um, they're, they're coming to brag. And, and uh, they, they've had actually, they play good competition, um, Mississippi Valley. They're over four, but they play good team. Um, so they, they're, they're battle-tested, but uh, they're probably a little beat up also. And mm-hmm. and psychologically, you know, is the, the quarterback they the, the quarterback that they got didn't, you know, he, he's not worked out as what they thought he would be. And um, therefore, their running game had been as as good as it has been it was last year. So I just think uh, they're going to have a tough time keeping up with us. Yeah, Valley's in the midst of a tough stretch right now. As I look at their schedule, uh, this is the second um, consecutive. Well, let's just put it like this. They're in a stretch where they play Jackson State, Florida A&M, Alcorn, and Alabama State, right? Uh, Three of those four are road games. So that is a brutal stretch to be in and all four of those teams are legitimate. I mean, look, let's be real. They they have aspirations and talent to be contenders and get to a SWAC championship game or win the SWAC. You know, at least that's what we've seen based on yeah. first four games. Right. So, I mean, 
this is the toughest part of their schedule by by far. And you know they 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 they've lost to Delta State, a Division two, but a very good Division two team. They've lost mm-hmm. to Austin P, uh, Tarleton State. Uh, you know they have not scored more than seventeen in a contest. Uh, no, not more than thirteen versus the FCS. You know, I, I think this is a this is a game where our I feel like if our defense doesn't get a shutout, I'm I'm disappointed. I I think this is a game where they should not score more than a touchdown. Now, I mean, they they snuck up and got a touchdown early on Jackson State, so it can't happen. But this is this is the game where I think. We measure ourselves. You know, Coach Prime is talking about dominance a lot. It's a common theme that he's carrying and talking to his guys about. Well, I think this is the point of the season right here against this opponent where we begin to establish dominance. And and with what potentially is coming the following week, which is a South Carolina State game, I want to see both sides of the ball playing well. I, I, I expect our offense to be clicking. I expect another big day by Musa. I want to see him throwing. I want to see not just the yardage, but I want to see the completion percentage be better. Like if I see Musa with a completion percentage plus 65, closer towards 70, and let's say he only throws for 250, I'm, that's cool. That's great. I mean, that's telling me that he's not leaving a bunch of balls out on the field which, like he did last week. I think our running game could be better. I mean, three to one, pass to run, that's not a run first team. That's No way is that a run first team. So that also tells me, and I don't know, Kelvin, are you referring to Leland Wilhoyt when you said potentially a running back coming back? Is that who you were implying? Yeah, back? yes, he, yes he, he's back in, in the fold too. So Will Hoyt was the guy that was when we looked, when we saw in the spring, you know, when I mentioned to Coach Simmons, I said, "Hey, uh, Coach, is Will Hoyt? He's kind of looking like he's playing that Azende Ray Bishop Bonnet role." And he just kind of smiled at me. He said, "Well, I, I appreciate you calling it out. I didn't want to call that out to too many people." And I said, "Oh, I'm sorry, but yeah, I mean, if you if you go back to the spring game, you could have sworn, oh, dog, there's another Bishop Bonnet or an Azende Ray." playing that that receiver out of the backfield who can catch the ball and just be dynamic in so many ways. So that's an added element that I hope is on display. I, I think, well, th- this is this is the game to get right. This is the mm-hmm. game for I all agree. sides to be – all sides need to be dominant and, and limit errors. Uh, hopefully we can have another clean game, no, no ridiculous penalties, no interceptions, no fumbles. Uh, that that's what we want. And and look, we need to score. We need to score. I don't know if we're deferring the opening game, but doggone it, man! Can we stop somebody early and then get the ball back and score? I mean, let's hmm. stop. I think the last two or three games have we not gone like three and out uh, on a couple of different opening possessions. I don't know. <laughs> I got to go back and dig, but I know at least the last two games we've gone three and out, and maybe even more than that. So. There's a, there's a, this is a, this is a good game. This is a get right game. I'm not even worried about Valley. I'm not sleeping on Valley, but I think this is more about us and what we do. Uh, any, 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 
Hey, Kelvin, I had a quick question for you. Yeah. Do you think our, our relative malaise in the running game is more on play calling or injury? Because we've had, I mean, like Leland Will Hoyt was injured in preseason camp. I remember seeing him either in a boot or on a like a, a cart during some, there was a picture that somebody from the Democrat took during practice and I saw him in the background. And A.J. Davis has been hurt since the first game. And you know, we have two freshmen back there. Uh, what was it? Uh, DeAndre. Cameron yeah, DeAndre Francis. I think he was coming off an injury. Yeah, right. and they mentioned it. And he got injured last week in practice. And we got Cameron Seeger and at least one or two other freshmen. I haven't seen the other one. I think it's Brian Beck from Louisiana. But then there's another one, uh, the young man from um, – Lake City, Columbia. But I don't think I've seen him either. But do you think the the dearth of yards and production and running games more of what we call in plays or injuries, or are we calling those plays because of the injuries? We're doing more passing than running. It's probably a little bit of both, but ultimately, if you look at Jackson State game, when you look at Louisiana game, uh, North Carolina, even last week, and you look at the number of carries, um, I have to say, uh, even though the injuries are there, you might be in your mind justifying it because of injuries. But I just think philosophical um, on game day, once coach get away from his scripts, because my understanding is, you know, you you know, the first drive or two, uh, sometimes I know with KJ, um, the plays were scripted. Uh, and then, you know, he kind of, you know, coach – you know, go for the feel of the game. Well, when, well, his tendency is he he wants to throw the ball, um, and um, I I just think just like last year, we are our best when we're balanced. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, we're dynamic on the outside, but uh, when we when we're fifty five, forty five, fifty fifty, no more than sixty forty pass to run or run the pass. That's our sweet spot. That's when our offense is magic. And um, so um, I, I just hope he commits to that. And we, when we play South Carolina State this week, I think we have to be. You know, one of the things from last year, the reason we blew them out, because we because we were so effective running the ball against them, mm-hmm. uh, which really opened up spaces in, in their defensive backfield. Because you know, tip, typically when we when you force them, South Carolina State to tackle in space and the covering space. That's their weakness on their defense um, most of the times. Uh, but we ran the ball really well against them last year. Uh, so so I, I just think, you know, we, we just got to be more balanced. And that that's a mindset with, with the play caller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I agree with that. And actually coming into the season, I, mean, I kind of thought we might be more run balance like we were last year just because I was hoping, you know, like the light bulb clicked. is like, aha, you know, we had to run balance. Whereas before when we had 2019, when we had Ryan Stanley, we were more like what we are now as the season played out and didn't really have that run, that run component, or at least not enough to put doubt in the minds of the defense. They kind of knew what we were going to do. And I was hoping this year, having seen what we did in 2021, that we would have, especially with all the running backs we had, and we still, and there may be still be a couple of other people that were 
they had, uh, at least on social media, said they were transferring in. I've not yet to see them. And I don't know if they're caught up, if they actually came on campus or if they got caught up in the in the uh, compliance thing. But we were like six or seven deep in the running backs and had all different types between speed backs, guys who were bigger, who could pound the rock, but still had speed like the A.J. Davis transfer from Pitt. And then we got the, you know, we still got the Terrell Jennings and the, and the Jalen McLeod. So it's like we had versatility in the running back. And we have a DeAndre Francis, who is more like a Bishop Bonnet type who can take it to the house, but still a tough runner and a, a smaller runner. So we had different size and skill sets in the running back room pre-injury, you know, just based just on paper. So I was hoping that we would maximize that, especially while Musa was getting settled in. You know, not that we wouldn't want to put a muzzle on him, but, you know, trying to ride his arm without having a complimentary running game seemed like it might have been a lot even for a transfer coming in. And given that he hadn't had a lot of game experience in his previous stops and that he was a primarily a backup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think um, we're going to try to let, – let's uh, if our producer is ready, let's go to break and see if we can get uh, Brian back on before we do our SWAT predictions and uh, talk about the upcoming games in the SWAT. This is the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be right back. picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. 
visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. It's like a loop machine. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Simmons and the team uh, follows in behind them. So uh, uh, Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Marcus Green here. Uh, my little internet issue resolved. Just in time for us to get into our favorite segment, which is the pit for the week, and then our bold predictions for tomorrow night's Valley U game. Tickets, uh, I think $15 are general admission. So, mm-hmm. great opportunity to invite your neighbor, invite a friend, uh, you know, uh, somebody. Bring somebody, Rattler Nation. Bring somebody that has ever been to a FAMU ball game or heard the 100 live or seen the 100 at halftime. This is a great weekend, great opportunity to do that. Let's sure that this game is plus 15,000. Uh, the tits number were incorrectly, well, I, I, let's just say they weren't right. What, the, what was out there, uh, officially, unofficially, because of whatever reasons, you can look in the stadium and tell that there was more than 7,500 people there. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's, let's make sure we get another 18,000 plus in the uh, in the house, mm-hmm. hey, it's also uh, breast awareness. You ready for? It's also breast cancer awareness and parents and family weekend for this game. Oh, wow. Okay, so a lot going on. You got uh, mm-hmm. okay. So, uh, are they when the pink out? Is the pink out this weekend or is it homecoming? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, this week. yes, it's this weekend. Okay, so they're encouraging people to wear pink to the game. Uh, you've got uh, parents and family weekend, valley. Uh, you got great pricing. Uh, it's a great, great weekend, and, and hopefully we get good weather weather night in Tallahassee. So uh, still waiting to find out whether this game broadcast at any point on 
be the Athletics Facebook page. Right now, it's to be audio only. You're a little choppy, uh, Brian. Yeah. You're a little choppy. Yeah. You're a little choppy, and uh, but but uh, in terms of broadcast, it's on the Rattler Sports Network. Uh, you can go to the Family Athletics page, and they have uh, the, the game day splash when you click on it. And at the bottom there, you know, they have the you know, but it's only it's only the, the radio uh, broadcast right now. Uh, I don't think there's any video uh, broadcast of the game. Hmm. That's unfortunate. I wish, wish it'd be nice if we did. I don't know if we lost Brian, but it looks like uh, Kenya was sending a note saying that um, family weekend is, is postponed. To November fourth, so the I want to check part that. Yeah, I think she's talking about the family weekend part. Is the Southern game, the parents weekend? Mm. But uh, this mm. is the breast cancer awareness game, um, and okay. the colors pink for 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 this for this yes. weekend. Okay, so it is breast cancer awareness, but the parents and family is deferred until November fifth. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully uh, Brian will get back uh, you know, on before we finish this segment. But we're going to jump into uh, <coughs> the the sweat contest, sweat games, and um, we're going to start first. Brian, you you back? You you all right? I uh, okay. No, I maybe not. I'm still choppy. I I, I don't Go know. Ahead. Choppy. Can, all I can... We can hear you. Yeah, your sound is We can good. hear you, but you like Picasso. You like Picasso on the screen. You're a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So much for being hardline connected. All right. Let's go to the first contest. North Carolina Central, 4-0 at Campbell University one and two. A lot of people making a big fuss about Campbell, even though they're a one and two team. Actually, a six and a half point favorite, according to Massey. Who you got in this game, Kelvin? I'm gonna go with Central for now. Central, they went to New Hampshire and they put a whooping on New Hampshire. They've been pretty consistent and they've they've um, been solid. Now, the, my only concern is, you know, they didn't play a couple of patsies these last couple of weeks, uh, which is hurting them in the polls, frankly. You know, playing, uh, you know, Division Two and uh, and uh, VUL, which is, I don't know, the Christian League or something. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, so, you know, they hopefully they, you know, got enough reps and tested where they're, They'll continue to be uh, able to play at a high level against good competition. This, I think, this game is on the road too, so I, I don't know what kind of home cooking they'll be facing. Uh, and, and Camel has had the you know a top two recruiting class the last couple of years, so and, and I think they got like the, the best class in FCS right now, come um, for for, for twenty twenty three, but. Uh, so 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 they you know they got to be prepared to play, but I'm 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 gonna go um, with uh, Central um, by seven on that one. 
All right, what about you, Marcus? About the same. I'm pulling for Central. I'm, I'm kind of starting to lean towards him as a starting to believe. I mean, this will be a good contest, even though Campbell, you know, their record doesn't really reflect, you know, I guess some of the preseason accolades and recruiting accolades they've been getting. But this is a, another good road test for the Eagles, and it'll solidify the win that they had up in New Hampshire and just to go out of conference versus a, a PWI as well. So I'm hoping and, and expecting them to pull through. It'll probably be a tight game because uh, now they've got four games in, and I'm sure Campbell's looked at their ha- film from New Hampshire. And so I think it'll be tight game, seven or less, like Kevin said, maybe maybe even three. But looking for the NC Central Eagles to win. The Eagles over the Camels. That's what I like. So we're going to go with the Eagles. I'm hoping my audio is good. I know my picture is a bit crappy right now. Uh, so hopefully the audio is coming in clear, even though the audio, even though my video is a mess. All right. Um, game number two, Bethune-Cookman, one and two, at Alabama A&M, 0 and 4. Alabama A&M, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, according to the Maxi ratings. Uh, when does Alabama A&M get their first win of the season? This is a this is a pick'em game for me, honestly. Uh, I can go either way. <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. I can go either way with this. Um, my only question is, is, is has Bethune found an identity? I don't know that, right? Uh, I, I still think Gremlin hasn't found one, to be honest. And um, so going on a road, um, you know, Maynard's pretty desperate. Uh, A&M has talent, right? And um, they can be explosive. So... I'm, because they're at home, I'm gonna go with home team. Uh, we'll say A and M by seven. What about you, Marcus? Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I would lean towards Alabama A and M because uh, Coach Manning looked like he was hot after the game last week, and I'm sure it wasn't all on Coach Simmons <laughs> or the team. It was probably frustration as well because they expected to do do a lot better. And for, I believe this is. Uh, Alabama A&M's homecoming, too. I thought I saw something come across on social media. This might be their homecoming. So, uh, given that, I would go with the home team. But given the level of disappointment they've had thus far, I'm only giving them a tight, you know, like a three-point victory. Didn't Alabama A&M lose to Jackson State? That big sixty-one to fifteen wasn't that homecoming too last year. Yes, anybody they lost by I that think score. It might. Okay, yeah, and they got a scooter. Maynard got a scooter after that game too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I you know I it's hard for me to pick. I'm going to go with A and M for a couple reasons. One, uh, Bethune beat them last year. Uh, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I get that wrong or right? No, Bethune lost that game last year. Right. Yeah. 
Right. Okay, wait a second. Let me rewind. Let me rewind here. Let me rewind. Um, yeah, this is like a pick game. I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna root for success for uh, Alabama and M. So I'm gonna go Bethune. I'm gonna go Bethune <laughs> on this one uh, by a by by a field goal. By a field goal. Right. Prairie View State Fair Classic. Prairie View versus Grambling. Prairie View is a nine and a half point favorite over Grambling in this. Contest. It's a big number. Grambling is so iffy. Which Grambling team is going to show up? Because we've seen like three different versions, I believe, of Grambling. Uh, Kelvin, who you got? I believe uh, you get to the point of the season, you, your team, you kind of are who you've shown at this point, right? So, um, Grambling offense, you know, they struggle still. Uh, at times, and um, Purview defense is is pretty strong. Um, so I'm, I'm going Purview, and I I I think the points about right. I, Purview by ten. Mm-hmm. Marcus, who you got? I'm gonna go with um, PV as well. I don't know if I'm as confident by ten, but I think their defense is going to be the difference, and just the growing pains of first year head coach, and you know. The stuff to talk about taking the G, you got to earn the G from last week's game. And I don't know if it's continuing on this game. So I don't know if people, if the team's going to respond or rebel to that. So I don't know, just in a kind of state of flux. So I'm going to go with Prairie View. See, some of those things are why I think Grambling wins this. I, I think the whole no G on the helmet, you got to earn it. You haven't quite finished the last two games. Grambling hasn't finished the second half. Had a good first half, didn't finish the second half. Off of a good win, right? Uh, so, and while we're all excited about Preview, this would be a great opportunity for everyone to to put all their eggs in the Preview basket and uh, get get a get get the win for the G-Men. So I'm going to go with the G-Men and let those guys get their G back on their helmet. I'm going to go G-Men by <laughs> – by, uh, I'm going to go by a field goal. It's going to be a field goal. It's going to be a tough game. But I'm going to go with the G-Men by a field goal. They'll cover nine and a half, put it like that. So if nothing else, they'll cover the nine and a half. So if they lose a touchdown or they'll, they'll win by three. That's my, that's my thought. Here we go. UAPB, two and two. At Southern, one and two. Again, none of these teams have – this will be – somebody will get their first win against the FCS opponent in this contest. Somebody. Remember the spring game when UAPB went to Southern, and I believe – I think that was at Southern, or maybe it was at UAPB. Well, UAPB hadn't beat Southern in, like, years, but they went and got a win, Right. Uh, this is an interesting contest. Southern, I don't know how, but Southern is rated as a seven and a half point favorite. Don't know how, but they are. Kelvin, who you like? UAPB or Southern? This comes down to to me. Number one, um, Southern's coming off a, a, a bye week. They're really desperate. They need this win. Um, Traditionally, it's been tough to win in Southern, uh, so I expect them to play their best game of the year. Now, the question is, 
you know, uh, I think uh, UAPB is legitimate. I think they're a middle road team. They play solid, even when they played uh, their FBS opponent. They didn't look too out of place. Um, so I think they got a good squad. So the question is, how would Southern handle adversity? First, needing this win, then what if UAPB come out and they can't shake them? Would they, would they fold or would they rise to the occasion? I don't know. Uh, so this pick, I, I should pick UAPB, honestly, based on what I've seen thus far. But I, I got a suspicion that, you know, Southern has been tingling with their off weed. You know, they, they know they need this win, and they're at home. And uh, I think that, that, that crowd and, that, and they're going to be trying to rally. So I think they're going to be tough to beat this week. So I'm going with Southern by seven. Who you got, Marcus? Um, not to, you know, just – Follow KR uh, with all the picks, but I would pick Southerners too because they're on the ropes. And Southern's a proud program. You ever talk to anybody who went to Southern or Southern grad? They are proud. And so I'm sure they're not too happy about the first couple uh, games and how things turned out, especially a couple weeks ago getting shut out. So I expect them to come out with guns blazing. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm right there in agreement with you. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I got Southern as well big. I'm, I'm, I'm saying Southern puts at least a 14-point win on UAPB. I, I think they I think they fix whatever was wrong. They, they, they get it fixed, and they come out looking better at home against uh, UAPB team. So, uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, taking Southern to cover. It's either or never for Southern. All right, this is an interesting one here. This is a tough one. Bama State lost at home to Prairie View 2-2, two and two, traveling to Tech Southern to take on Andrew Body and the Tigers. One and three, Kelvin sticking his head because he swore off Texas Southern. He was a believer. Then he wasn't a believer. Now he's backed into a corner with Andrew's mama watching. I mean, what you going to do on this one? Who you got? Bama State, Bama State or Texas Southern? Who you rolling with? Oh, by the way, Texas Southern, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Mama mama body, you know I was on the bandwagon. You know, you know I'm a big fan, and uh, I, I, didn't, I just didn't think team-wise after I saw the first couple of games that uh that I was thinking they were the same old Texas Southern. But they surprised me. They've uh rallied as a team. They they look they looked apart. They look like what I thought they could be when I I think I predicted them to finish uh, up there with Southern as the top one of the top two teams in the West. Um so so I'm back on the bandwagon. All right. They got a quarterback that's Probably, probably the best in the conference, and their defense is much improved. Um, they got Texas talent, so so I'm a you know, and Bama State have trouble scoring, so I'm I'm, I'm back on the bad with Texas Southern by three. That's mama. That's my mama body pick. Hey, all right, Mark. <laughs> I'm gonna roll with Kevin. I'm gonna roll with Kevin on this one. Same thing. We have to see how things pan out, but. And it was starting to get to crunch time where Texas Southern 
they're going to have to put some things together if they want to achieve the goals they set out. So I think that desperation sets in and allows them to uh, overcome on a tight one over Bama State. I predicted Texas Southern to be uh, either 4-0 and or 3-1 and through their first four conference games. So, to, to you know, I, I need this win uh, to stay on track with my prediction. Uh, so, I'm going with Texas Southern at home. I, I, I might have thought differently had Bama State held serve at home. But uh, give me Texas Southern. I I think they might have turned – I think that win turned a corner. They, they got a win over Southern. They played well, represented themselves against UTSA. This is uh this this is it. This is it. So uh Texas Southern gets the win and uh um uh, Mama Body gives us the thumbs up there. So I think we're I think we're good. I think I think she'll be back next week to watch. So we're all in good good graces with the body family. All right. Just please get it done so we don't have to come back next week talk about what in the world. Please get it done, Texas Southern. Make make it happen. All right, that's uh, and I, I like Texas Southern by a touchdown. By the way, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and lay the points when it comes out with Texas Southern. All right, here we go. Bold prediction time. FAMU, Mississippi Valley State. There's no doubt that we expect FAMU to win, but we like to throw in bold predictions to see, you know, how 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 well are the prognostications for this contest. Uh, I didn't keep track of the previous week, but I know last week, uh, Kelvin, uh, O and one, Brian, me and, uh, Kofi one and O, uh, Marcus will throw you I'm, into I'm, the mix. I'm, I'm having hell. I'm having hell. Having, we where, did see other quarterbacks. Where did, where did, we did, we did see other quarterbacks. That, you know what? In the first half. That doesn't count. <laughs> Yeah, do. You know what? You know what? <laughs> that don't count. I had his helmet ripped off, and that counts. Come on, man. Okay. All right. I see. We'll give you half a point. Half a point there. But that's not the bold prediction you were thinking of. All right, Marcus, I'll go to you first. Bold prediction. What's your bold prediction for uh, Saturday night's game? I'm going to say bold prediction like a score. Or just like something well, happening in the we, game. We, well, and, and, and unless you want to go score, but we've been going pretty much with performance level prediction or oh, or okay. some outcome. For example, yeah, so you know, some sort of outcome or prediction, performance level, something of that nature. I'm gonna say we get over 150 yards rushing. I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay. 150 yards rushing. That's pretty good. That's about on line with where I'm going to go. Uh, what do you got, Kelvin? Uh, um, Marcus was, was uh, right there where I'm at. But but I'm saying two. I'm going to give you two. I think we're going to get a special teams ah. touchdown. I'm predicting okay. a special teams touchdown. And I'm predicting a 100-yard rusher. Ah. Mm. You care to go one step further and say who? Jennings. I'm, I'm going to go to Jennings. Okay. I, I, 
Brian. So I think we're all thinking alike here because my bold prediction was both. I was going to say both and McLeod have over 75 yards rushing. So it's funny. You, you mentioned 150, Marcus, <laughs> and then you say we got a 100-yard rush. So I was thinking both Jennings and McLeod over 75 yards rushing. Uh, I'm going to also defensive touchdown this week. You went special teams. I'm going to go defense. I'm going to go defensive, maybe a pick six or, or a scoop and score. It's time for the defense to get, to get some points here. Safety, I'm, I, and I don't want a safety. I mean, sure, we'd like a safety, but I'm not counting a safety. I want a legit six-point scored by the dark cloud defense. Get it done this week. No excuses. So, um, you know, there I'm seeing other predictions coming in. I, I like that. Uh, I saw some score predictions. Somebody said 45 to 3. I see uh, Keith drop Jennings with 100. Moose over 325. I like that. Uh, let, me, let me take a quick peek here on Facebook and see if I see any other uh, predictions from people here. Some good interaction there. I appreciate you guys following on. Um, oh, oh, land with four sacks. Okay, I like that. I like that, Keith. Uh, whoa, that would be it. That would be uh, one of those things that kind of puts him into. Montre Bennett says two pump return touchdowns. Okay, okay. Now we're talking. Hey, the game is going to be streamed on Facebook, so I know there was some questions about that. So looks like we will have some Facebook coverage of the video, video coverage of the game, probably synced in with the Rattler Sports Network audio feed. So. That's what we'll have. I think we'll all be available for a game show. So I, I know uh, I'm going to be in my home studio here in Orlando. Marcus will be in his home studio. Kelvin will be on site. So that'll be kind of good for, for that. So we will do a post-game show after the Valley game. Uh, we'll kind of let the post-game press conference happen, and then we'll send out a notification. So make sure – that you hit on YouTube or Facebook to get notifications. Uh, as soon as we know a time, uh, I'll kind of send out a tweet or send out some information to let you guys. And we'll talk about this contest and uh, hopefully, as many of you are predicting big scores, 56 to 7, 45 to 3, so on and so forth, or just some of the ones I saw, hopefully we get that kind of outcome. More importantly, I, I want to see some domination. Domination, all right? And uh, just a reminder, you guys will check out the uh, our softball team working the concession stand underneath the East concession. Uh, the East, East, I guess is what? East Blinkers? I guess that's what that's called. Um, yeah. So that, that's over there. Make sure you go support. Yeah, go support Janaya Davis uh, and her Anthony Lawrence. Remember, you can purchase... Any fan you gear on the site, that's anthonylawrencecollection.com, 15% off if you use the code JD. Uh, does not apply to her shirt, but it's a nice shirt. And uh, so I got to make sure to go get that shirt, show some love and, and respect uh, for a friend of the show, Janiah Davis and the uh, softball team. So uh, shout out to the ladies. And if you get a chance, go to the Rattler Walk. Please go to the Rattler Walk, check out that, give those guys the energy, uh, um, so on and so forth. Kickoff is 6 p.m. 
Eastern, 5 Central. So it will appear on Facebook, and you can listen to the audio. Uh, if you haven't seen any of the interviews from the men and women's SWAT press conference or media day, I'm going to post that on our Facebook page a uh, little bit here after the show. So it'll be, and I'll make sure to tweet a link as well. All right, fellas, that's going to do it. Uh, AD Drew, appreciate jumping in and being our producer. We're a little longer than we thought, but, you know, that's just how we do, right? Uh, so much love uh, for that. Marcus, appreciate you coming in, filling in for, uh, well, we were planning on having all four of us today, but uh, you filled in ab- admirably, so we appreciate you. And uh, mm-hmm. Kelvin, uh, we're looking, you know, we, we're looking forward. Thank you for putting your shirt back on and, uh, uh, you know, much appreciated. <laughs> and, uh, shout, out to, shout out to, I know, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, and I know you got some fans. I know you got some fans, but, you know, That's right. you know, don't, don't, don't Let's give see. them too much, Kelvin. We'll, 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 we'll put that on the Patreon. Hey, we'll have to put that on the Patreon site. Get about the, the the Patreon site, and uh, we we'll have to put that on there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, shout out to James Blake, Mississippi Valley State, coming in town. If you see Mr. Blake, make sure to let him know you you heard him last year on the ONG, and you uh you appreciate uh you appreciate everything. So that's gonna do it for tonight's show, guys. Thanks for uh being with us tonight. Get some good sleep tonight, and wake up charged up, ready to go. Fired up, ready to get a win. Hashtag Beat Valley. Make that trend all over the place. Hashtag Beat Valley. Tag us at ONG. Uh, we look forward to a big dub on Saturday night. Get out there and make sure you strike. Strike. And strike again, baby. Good night, everybody. Peace out. Good night.